Welcome to the latest in our Aberdeen Standard Investments Closed-End Fund podcast series, where we catch up with our closed-end portfolio managers and gain some perspective on these complex market conditions. Today, we are focusing on global infrastructure with the managers of the Aberdeen Global Infrastructure Income Fund, ticker ASGI, Josh Dietz and Ryan Sullivan. Welcome, Josh and Ryan. Hey, Dan. How are you? Good, thank you. Ryan, let's start with you. Would you give us your take, uh, private side, on the current global infrastructure space, and how do you see the recent U.S. stimulus package affecting infrastructure investments? Yes, thanks, Dan, and and obviously very very topical. Um, I would say, at a high level, continue to believe the opportunity set that Josh and I kind of continue to see in the infrastructure space has been holding, if not accelerating, uh, continues to feel infrastructure is kind of top of the headline kind of news cycle. It feels like as there just continues to be a real need uh, to reinvest in existing infrastructure, build new infrastructure. Uh, the sectors and thematics that we talked about on prior podcasts, areas like communications infrastructure, renewable energy, continue to, fr- continue to frankly accelerate. And the need for both kind of private and public uh, capital there uh, continues to seem like something that is, is certainly an interesting kind of point for folks and people really recognize the need to, to reinvest in it. Everything that we're doing is, is not reliant on any sort of stimulus package or infrastructure bill getting passed. We very much view that on kind of icing on the cake, if you will, into our underlying thesis. But nonetheless, it does seem like this is maybe the one issue that Republicans and Democrats continue to agree on. Does that mean a bill will eventually get passed? Frankly, we're not sure. But I, does, I do think it's emblematic of just how, how people in the marketplace today are viewing infrastructure and the need for spending there. I think the final comment I would make, Dan, is, is just the notion of inflation kind of risk and, and people worrying about inflation is obviously very, very topical today. And as we, as we sit back and think about the portfolio benefits of adding infrastructure into the portfolio, I think, Josh, I just feel great that infrastructure historically has been a very good inflation hedge. Many of the underlying assets that we own in ASGI have direct inflation-linked contracts associated with them. So as this notion of the, the risks around inflation and where it could go continue to, to be a, a topic of, in the marketplace, uh, we feel very good that infrastructure has and, and we think will continue to be a nice, a nice hedge against this portfolio risk. Thanks, Ryan. And Josh, how about your take from the public perspective? I would agree with a lot of what Ryan said. And if we talk about the stimulus package, and it's still, as we speak, negotiating between the Democrats and Republicans on it, both seem to want some type of infrastructure stimulus package, which will be beneficial um, for the country and for investments in infrastructure, but it's not only stimulus packages we're talking about. In the fiscal 2022 budget, it provides a strong boost for clean energy. So um, in extending and restoring the ITC and PTC for wind and solar. So we think it's positive. Governments are in favor of infrastructure spending, specifically around green and clean new energy. And we think that's just a tailwind and we're in the very early stages, as we've talked about before, for that. So whether or not there's a stimulus package, there's going to be a lot of spending on infrastructure in the decades to come. Thanks, Josh. And uh, right back to you. What is the mood among companies that you've been speaking with on a global basis? 
It really depends on where the company is located and what they're seeing. Overall, I would say two things. First, it's more positive. Obviously, as the U.S. here, um, we're starting to get vaccinated and seeing different states starting to fully open up. Um, it's positive and seeing what's going to happen. And you really see a strong recovery once that happens, such as in roads when um, countries start opening up, you see a V-shaped type recovery for that where traffic is returning to 2019 levels and in some cases above there. And once restrictions are lifted, you're seeing a sharp recovery in air traffic, specifically domestic air traffic. So in general, companies are more positive on the ones that were specifically affected by um, the pandemic. And the other part that I would say that is very positive is companies that have taken out costs because of the pandem pandemic many of them don't see them don't see themselves having to fully return to the cost levels they were so we think when traffic returns um, and businesses start opening up margins will actually be much better than they were prior to the pandemic and I think that gives management companies um, hope for the future and see the actual growth of profits um, and real operational leverage so that um, we're looking forward to seeing that happen as well Great. Thank you, Josh. And this next question is for both of you, but let me start with Ryan. Have you seen or been able to identify opportunities in the marketplace, and I'm thinking more sector-specific, that should benefit the fund in the future? Yeah, sure, Dan. So, I mean, on the private side, we continue to, to implement our, our playbook on really trying to identify unique, inefficient segments of the private infrastructure landscape. Uh, we look to partner with sponsors that have a, a very unique ability and, and uh, skill set to identify and exploit these types of, of opportunities. And so as we look at the landscape today, two of the most fragmented and inefficient sectors that we look at are one in the renewable power space. Again, as we move from more of a, a centralized power generation system focused on uh, assets like coal to a decentralized system on wind and solar, that means that there's, there's going to be a lot more wind and solar assets. They're typically smaller in nature. They're typically more spread out. And all that means is, is a much more kind of fragmented ownership structure of which we, we really like in the private markets and, and look to exploit that. So that continues to be an area uh, that's been very fruitful for us on trying to identify unique opportunities. And frankly, it's a very similar story as we look at the communications infrastructure space. Right, We're going from centralized 4G macro towers, which will continue to play a very critical role in that sector moving forward, but also this advent of small cell 5G networks, where you're going to have to kind of get closer to the end user to have the full benefits of 5G. And so as we look at the, the private infrastructure landscape, those areas, given how inefficient and fragmented they are, continue to be very interesting deal flow and sourcing opportunities for us. And frankly, our current pipeline is quite full, really across the private infrastructure landscape but very emblematic of those types of, of market structures and thematics that we look to. Thank you, Ryan. And Josh? So I would say, like Ryan said, the opportunities that we've talked about on prior calls continue. And it's nice to actually, when you talk about it, to see it actually starting to happen. Um, it's projected that cap, wireless CapEx is going to increase 5% this year after four years of low single-digit growth, um, and that's beneficial for the towers, and that's because of 5G. And we think this is you know, the beginning of a decade-long spend on 5G. 
So that's positive. When you look at what happened in April during the climate summit hosted by President Biden, many countries committed to cutting their emissions by 2030. The U.S. committed to cut it 50 to 52 percent versus 2005, which is double the pledge made under the Obama administration. It's significantly higher than the 12 percent by 2030 rate the country is currently tracking towards. Japan pledged to curb it by 46 percent versus 2013 commitment of 26. Canada increased the targets. We also had commitments from Brazil and China. And now the spending side is happening. Last year we talked a lot about the EU Green New Deal and the spending that Europe has committed to. And after the new commitments, the European Commission has said that they need to spend 350 billion euros more per year than they were spending from 2011 to 2020 in order to achieve that. And all of that spending, we're seeing it from the companies that we're investing in, either in growth on the tower side or additional opportunities from the renewable companies. So we see it on the macro side and now on the micro side of the opportunities for infrastructure spending, and we're certainly trying to take advantage of that in our fund. That's certainly encouraging. Thank you. Uh, Ryan, I want to switch gears for a moment and talk more about the closed-end fund structure that ASGI sits in. Uh, so Ryan, uh, a lot of closed-end funds utilize gearing or leverage. What is ASGI's current position on leverage? Yeah, Dan, so we, we continue to, to not have any leverage within ASGI, and we certainly note that that's a, a part of a strategy of, of various uh, offerings in the closed-end fund space. But we continue to, to just believe that the portfolio we're trying to build is an unlevered set of uncorrelated cash flows, and leverage certainly can help on, on the upside, but um, as in down markets, uh, that can be kind of uh, detrimental. So, so we continue to believe that no leverage within the ASGI fund construct is appropriate, and that's continued to, to be how Josh and I have managed the portfolio to date. Right, understood. And Josh, on the same theme, uh, from your perspective as a portfolio manager, how does the closed-end fund vehicle or structure help you to effectively manage a portfolio like global infrastructure securities? So there's several ways. I think one thing that we could do in the closed-end fund structure is invest on the private side, and that's what Ryan has been heavily involved in, is with an open-end fund structure, you can't really invest in private assets or private infrastructure assets. So this is allowing retail investors to have access to private infrastructure for the first time. And similar to institutional investors have had the ability to invest in private infrastructure, the closed-end fund space allows that because there's not inflows and outflows. Also, being we have that fixed amount of capital and we can invest in both the public and private, it also allows for the consistent dividend that we've been paying since um, the inception of the fund because there's not inflows and outflows. So you actually know the amount of dividends you have to pay each quarter, or I should say each month, and you can plan for that accordingly. So we really like the, the closed-end fund structure specifically for this vehicle. And that's a great point about uh, the distribution. So thank you, Josh. And Ryan, um, finally, what would you say to clients today to give them comfort that they should invest in global infrastructure? Yes, sure, Dan. And, I mean, I think it's stepping back as we, as we think about the infrastructure space and, and the portfolio benefits, right? We're looking at a hopefully uncorrelated set of cash flows 
that are directly linked to inflation and ultimately owning essential assets that everyone uses on a day-to-day basis and frankly doesn't even realize they're using. So all of that really speaks to the defensive nature of infrastructure as a whole, and, and we very much believe that will continue uh, to be the case as we look at this particular asset class. If you combine, combine all those portfolio benefits with the current market backdrop on the need for infrastructure spending, just how important uh, the spend on new infrastructure is going to be in some of these areas as we talked about today, we just think it's a very unique time to be investing in the asset class. Uh, there's a lot of uh, kind of movement within the asset class as we shift to things like renewable energy, communications infrastructure, as we repair our old transportation. All these things set up a very unique and interesting dynamic that we don't think persists for the next couple months. We do believe this is going to be a, a multi-year type of investment thematic that we're very excited about to be investing through with ASGI and ultimately really trying to build that portfolio of defensive kind of high-quality underlying assets that can, that can really benefit, benefit from the current market environment. Well, thank you, Josh and Ryan, for those insights today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. You can find out more about the fund at www.aberdeenasgi.com. Do look out for future episodes.